proclamation of your word. May it work itself into our hearts and our minds. May it become a part of our flesh, a part of our being. And may we live it. We thank you especially today for these graduates. God, give them open hearts, open ears, open minds to your word today. That it may change their lives and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I invite you to look with me once again in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 21. I'm reading from the, new, from the New King James Version, beginning with verse 1, going through verse 3. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near, next to my house, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. Verse 3, but Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I give the inheritance of my fathers to you. I want to preach today on this graduation Sunday 2014 from the simple subject, not for sale. I wish you would say that with me, not for sale. Graduates, if you don't remember everything about this sermon, you can always get a CD now, but just remember this, not for sale. Now, I, I really want to personalize this today because I'm, I stand with many emotions. Um, Tiara uh, was a little girl when she came here, a grandmama bought her here. And I had the privilege of baptizing her, just a, just a little girl, baptized her. Her grandmother, her, her mother, and her. Amen. 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 And then Tiffany came. I believe she was in middle school, maybe elementary, middle. Her and her sister, Sister Staples, brought them here. Portia, Amanda, and Tiffany, very, very fine, fine family, talented girls. And uh, Sister Pickin and I went to a play. You remember that, Tiffany? You went in your school, one of your first plays over there, Harrison. And we were so happy, so pleased. We said, there goes a, a good hopian. Amen, amen. And then um, Sister Andrea Washington and I go back, and she um, always has the same smile, same smile she had when we got here 15 years ago. She has it now, just so full of love, family, just deep, come from a deep heritage in this church and in this community, Richardson family. And, and so I said that to say that I feel like I can preach this to y'all that y'all will hear me. I feel like, like y'all will hear me because I want you to hear me today. Because if you hear me, you, you'll be blessed. Amen. Uh, our scripture text for, the sh for today tells the story about a man named Naboth who had a vineyard in Jezreel located 
adjacent to the palace of King Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel, but he was extremely wicked. In reference to his wickedness, 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30 reads, Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And there were some wicked kings before him. If you read the chronological history of the kings of Israel, um, there were some wicked kings. And Ahab, the Bible says, was the, mo was the most wicked of all the ones that came before him. But not only did, was Ahab wicked, he broke ranks with the teaching of his Hebrew faith and, and, and married a pagan woman, a godless woman, a woman who did not know God, did not care about God, did not respect God. He broke ranks and, and married a pagan woman named Jezebel. Now I'm scared to ask y'all to Google Jezebel, because ain't no telling what might come up if you Google it. But she was wicked. Her father, Ephbaal, king of the Zidonians, was both king and priest of Baal worshippers, idol worshippers. To say that Jezebel was wicked would be an understatement. She introduced Baal worship, an idol worship, and promoted the worship of Baal and even supplied the nation with priests of Baal in order to promote ungodly and pagan practices. And, 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 and some of my research showed that she even had, 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 had the, the pagan priests in her house and she supported them financially. She financed their evil doing and their ungodly behavior. And this is the kind of woman he was married to. Ahab, the Bible says one day, went to Naboth and he said, give me your vineyard that I may have, may, that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near, next to my house. In other words, he wanted his God just for convenience. I, I mean, he, you know, this joker was so lazy until, I mean, he, he, he didn't even want to walk or write his check. He wanted it right next to his house. And, and he said, and for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Well, now, if you're going to give me a vineyard better than what I have, why not just keep, you know, get, keep yours if it's better? And I keep mine. But then he said, if it seems good to you, in other words, if you don't want to swap, he said, I'll give you money for it. Not only money, he said, he said, uh, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Speed, Pastor Joe, he said, um, I'll give you what it's worth. I'll give you what it's worth. But Naboth said to Ahab, the king, he said these words. He said, the Lord forbid. I like that in the text. That thing, that jumped out at me. He didn't say, I forbid. He, he, said, he said, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. In other words, he said boldly that it is not for sale. That's what he's saying. He's saying it's not for sale. Now, Ahab, the Bible says, was, was sullen. That means he was, he was fuming. He was angry. 
and he was fit to be tied because he just had a servant. He just had a, 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 a servant to tell him the king no. And so he went home fit to be tied. He goes in the house, the Bible says. He goes into his house and he, he lies upon his bed and he refuses to eat. He, he's depressed. He's upset. He's vexed. And he, he refuses to eat. And Jezebel steps in. Perhaps she's had the servants prepare dinner. We don't know for sure. And everything is laid out and she's ready. And, and instead of him coming to the dinner table, he's, in, he's on his bed. He's crying and whining and, and moaning and, and upset. So Jezebel steps in in verse 5. She says, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat not? Why are you so upset? Why are you so angry? Why are you so depressed? Why are you grieving to the point that you have lost your appetite? Ahab then, like the wimp that he was, began to cry on her shoulders in verse 6. Notice what he said. Notice what he says. He says, because I spoke to Naboth. Isn't that the Bible? And he said to him, give me your vineyard for money. Or if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard. And I answered, I will not give, he answered rather, I, I, I will not give you my vineyard. And then she scorned him. Uh-huh, that's what she did. She, re, she rebuked him. You can read it right there in the text. In verse 7, she said, you now exercise authority over Israel, exclamation point. You know, she's saying, you the king, you the man, you in charge, you got exercise over this whole nation. You tell men to go and they go. You tell men to come and they come. You exercise authority over Israel. Arise. She said, in other words, she said, you get up. Get up and eat food. What she said, you get up right now. You go into that, that dining room and you eat right now. And then she demands and, and you and, and let your heart beat you. In other words, she's saying it's not a heart. When she said, let your heart. She me, I want you to get this business straight right now. You let your heart. In other words, you are going in the military, Pastor Stephen, we, we call it having mandatory fun. That is, you know, orders come down through the command. We having a social function on Friday. You will be there in attendance and you will have fun. Oh, that's the military. That's where it was, right? Am I right about it? Yeah, yeah, right. I'm right about it. You, you, this is manager. Well, she's saying you get up, eat, and you will let your heart be cheerful. And then she said this with her bad self. She said, I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. That's, that's what she said. What a bad son. She said, I, you know what? You ain't man enough to get it. You got all this authority. You got all this power. You supposedly wear the pants and I, you ain't got the power to get it. But you know what? Just sit back. Just go eat your dinner. Just 
you know, just be, don't worry, be happy. I'm going to handle this. That's what she said. Now, now history revealed, the text revealed that although Ahab held the office of king, it was obvious that Jezebel was running the kingdom. Can I get a witness here? Oh, yeah. Now, 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 I plan to come back at a later date and finish this, this story. But today, as we honor our graduates, I want us to look at why Naboth, why Naboth's land was not for sale and why we ought to have certain things in our lives, graduates and all of us, that ought not be for sale. Ought not be for sale. Ought not be for sale. The first indication we see from the text why Naboth would not sell his land was because for Naboth to sell his land would have been to sell out his family. Mm-hmm. For Naboth to sell, that's the first point, for Naboth to sell his land would have been the same thing as Naboth selling out his family. Notice verse 3 of the text, but Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord, watch this now, forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers to you. He's talking about his family. In other words, he said, the Lord forbid that I should sell out my family to you. For Naboth to sell his land to the king would have been a gross insult to the heritage of his lineage and the memory of his fathers, and it would have been to the disgrace of his family. Amen? In actuality, the selling of his land would have been to sell out his family because the loss of that land would have been the loss of his family's gift from God in the present and in the future. Because once he sold it, it would have been gone and his children would have no benefit to it. And so he said, I can't, I can't do it. Now, graduates, as you move onward and upward, never forget who you are. And where you came from. Never forget who you are. And where you came from. Never sell out the family. That loved you. Prayed for you. Sacrificed for you. Supported you. Through the years. When you could not do for yourself. Your family. Uh huh. Was there for you. When you got in trouble, your family. I know I'm right about it because, because, because when I got in trouble, it was my family that was there for me. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it was my family. In fact, it was my granddaddy who had to go out to the school and talk to the administrators when I got in trouble. Not Floyd, not Tyrone, not Jerome. None of them didn't have to take off from work. 
None of them had to give up anything. It was my granddaddy who had to go out to the school and straighten that stuff out. When your back was up against the wall, don't you forget about it. When some of the folks you thought were in your corner, some of your so-called friends walked out of your life, turned their backs on you, it was your family that stood by you. So, so now here you are in possession of your high school diploma, big accomplishment, your, your, your associate's degree, and society is beckoning you to come. Pursue your life's dream. Come make a major impact on your community. Come and take the world by storm. Come develop your potential. Yet Naboth would remind each of us today that no matter how far we go, no matter how high we climb, no matter what influential people or affluent people we meet along the way, along life's journey, don't sell out your family. Don't damage your family name. Don't, don't do anything that would harm your, your family's reputation. You love them. You might not always agree with them, but, but you love them. One thing about my kids, I can say, my children, they may not have always agreed as adults with me, but one thing about it, they love their daddy and they love their mama. Always love your family. Love them. You respect them. Don't get on that telephone and, and now that you've grown and, and you're on your own, uh, get disrespected. You respect your family. Respect your mama. Respect your daddy. And then here's something else. You introduce them joyfully to your friends, your classmates, and your coworkers, and your acquaintances. Whenever your family member's around, you make sure that you introduce them. One of the greatest days of my life was the day my grandfather and my grandmother and my wife's father and mother and family members drove up from Columbia, South Carolina to Virginia Union University. Uh, Richmond, Virginia for our graduation. Since Pickett was graduating with a bachelor's, I was graduating with a master's from the seminary, and, and, and they got up and then drove up that day all the way from, from, from Columbia, South Carolina to Richmond, Virginia. Now, 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 here's the thing about it. Granddaddy was a janitor. Uh-huh, and he did yard work. That's what he did. He wore them little khaki uniform, little khaki pants and shirt, Little suspenders and them little work, work, work boots. That's, that's what he did. Grandmama did what we call, you know, what folk, folk jokingly call domestic engineering. But in actuality, it was called housework. And I, I, I watched her. I watched her iron folk, people's clothes. And I watched her on her knees cleaning out bathtubs. And, 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 I, and I watched her babysitting, and I watched her doing all those kinds of things. She did it. She, she, she worked hard. Uh, Sister Pickett's her daddy worked for the school board for many years as a custodian, and her mother was a cafeteria worker. And, and, and even to this day, you know, the, all the women in the cafeteria know my wife. Wherever she's worked, she's always made it a point to go by and say hello to the cafeteria work. They don't know her story, but her mama did the same thing. Yeah, but they did not have the opportunities we had 
to go to school, but they worked hard and they sacrificed and, and they made it possible for us to go to school. And so on that great day, our graduation day, that great day, we were there and after graduation standing there with cap and gown and, and all of my classmates and all of our friends and some of our instructors and everyone we could find, we introduced them to more doctors that day and more professors that day. You tell everybody, this grandmama, this, this granddaddy, this, this, this my wife's mom, this, this my wife's daddy. Tell ev- everybody, shaking hands. And, and I felt like they had the privilege of shaking my folks' hands. Right. Right. A few weeks ago, I was preaching in Richmond, Virginia at the anniversary for my good friend, Pastor Sylvester Smith, pastor of Good, Hope, good uh, Shepherd Missionary Baptist Church. For 20 years, and uh, Sylvester and I go way back, very fine man of God. I was honored to be preaching, and his mother, his mother was there, Miss Scipio, and she's in her 80s, and he, he had her to come up before the congregation, and she, she, they clapped for her and everything, but Sylvester told a moving story. He said, when I was at Bethune-Cookman, he said, when I was at Bethune-Cookman, he said, he said, he said, I would get a letter from Mama in the mail. He said, sometimes the letter would have a little money in it. He said, but sometimes not. But the thing that most of the folk didn't know is that Sylvester's mother had 13 children. He, she had 13 children. So for her to put a few dollars, in fact, for her to put 50 cents, help me somebody, in an envelope and send it to him, was a black so now everywhere Sylvester Smith goes, he gonna introduce folk to his mama. In fact, we were sitting in class and and I, I we knew who his mama was before she met because he was in, in graduate school. We'd be t- discussing some deep theological issue and he would raise his hand. Well, my mama used to say, <laughs> "I know I got some help in here." Yeah. You know, I can't stress that point enough, graduates. No matter where you go, how high you soar, never sell out your family. Love them and remain close to them. Now, here's a footnote. I want you to get this, not only for the graduates, but all of us. If you are out of fellowship, out of contact, out of relationship with a particular member of your family, pray for them. And then you do everything within your power to bridge the gap and make it right. You reach out even if they reject it. You reach out and do everything you can to touch your family. And as some of you may be thinking, well, Pastor, you don't know my situation. Well, you're right. I don't. But I do know this. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to pay your sin debt and mine. That means he forgives sin, and so should we. Second, for Naboth to sell his land would have been to sell out his future. Notice Ahab's offer to Naboth in the latter portion of verse 2. He said, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. That's a bribe. 
That's an attempt to get him to sell out. In other words, how much money would it take to sell your future down the drain? Number 36, numbers 36 and 7 explains no inheritance in Israel is to pass from tribe to tribe. For every Israelite, watch this now, shall keep the tribal inheritance from his forefathers. For Naboth to sell his land, he would have not only broken the Mosaic law, but also would have sold out any future blessings God had for him in that place. Whatever benefits, whatever blessings, whatever blossoms he would have received at that place would have been missed because he sold out his future. To all of us, but especially to the graduates, remember, your future ought not be for sale. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, what this verse means in part is that God has set your life up in such a way that you will succeed. That's what he's saying. God said, I know the plans I got. In other words, God said, you got a divine set. God has set that thing up. He has set that plan up so that you will succeed. Now, since God is God of the already as well as the not yet, what is future tense for you is present tense for God. While you have to make your way into your future, God is already there. Oh, I wish I had somebody. From the prerogative of his omniscient nature, that means he knows everything, he has already put the right people in place and the right resources in position to help you succeed. So you ain't got to work there. You ain't got to do it. God has already done that. From the preference of his omnipresent nature, that means he's all omniscient. Omnipresent. He's everywhere. He has already gone ahead of you, and he has fixed the pendulum so that it will swing in the right direction, and the bell will ring at the right time in order to bless you on your way. Now, God has already planned that. That's what Jeremiah 29 11. He's already done that for you. From his omnipotent nature, that's his all powerful self. God has already orchestrated the right amount of sunshine and rain, mountains and valleys, in order to grow you, groom you, and guarantee you the brightest future possible. I want you to get that. I want that to say. In other words, God has already gone into your future. He has already done that. He has already orchestrated things in your future so that you will be blessed. Now, here's your part. God has already done that. He got that plan. He's already done that. Here's your part. 
All you got to do is work it. All you got to do, all you got to do is work it. You see, you see, you see, God had already set each one of you up for graduation. I mean, God had already done that. All you had to do was work it. All you had to do was make the sacrifice, go to school, take the test. Behave yourself. Do what you need to do. Go to class. All you had to do is work it. Because God had already planned it so that you would graduate. You see, you see, God has already set that thing up. Now, now, on a personal note, let me just share something with y'all. God had a plan for my wife. Sister Pickett, she's here with us today. I ain't going to say nothing behind her back. <laughs> y'all know I don't talk behind folk back anyway. Right? Y'all know that, don't you? I mean, I done had a lot of lunches, had a lot of dinners, had a lot of conversations with folk, but not one person, not nary person can say that Pastor Pickett talked about any behind anybody's back. Any negative gossip, bad talk, not a one. Amen. So I, I won't talk behind my wife back. But, but God had, a, one of the plans he had for her was that, was that he was going to give me to her. <laughs> as her husband. Yeah, he had already set that thing. I mean, she's running around, you know. But, but. You know, but God had, God had already set it up. All she had to do was work it. <laughs> I mean, and she had to work it because I wasn't no easy catch. I'm going to tell y'all right now. I'm going to tell y'all right now. I went to a HBC. Y'all know what a HBC is, right? Yeah, yeah. You know HBC. I went to an HBC. The ratio was seven to one. Let me break it down. It was seven females to one male. So, so she had to work it. I mean, we would just sit down. We would sit on campus, campus of Benedict College, and I mean, you could almost play any, meeny, miny, mo. You know, it, they walk by any, meeny, miny, it's gonna be you. No, no, I don't think so. It'll be you. No, I don't think so. No, I like you. So she really had to work it. Oh, y'all don't hear me today. Now, now before, before I, before I, you know, mis, mislead anybody, because I mean, a lot of folk were, I mean, they did a lot of things, you know, to 
to work it. You know, before I mislead anybody, let me just make it plain. She had to she had to work her spirituality in a way that I could see Jesus meant more to her than the things of the world. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I ain't talking about folk working no, no, you know, uh, skimpy skirts and, you know, all, all that was out there. I mean, that was dead. That was, that was, pl- I was tired, done with that. See, now I'm trying to, I'm trying to go into the ministry now, so I'm trying to live right. <laughs> I ain't trying to be no jack leg preacher, you know. I'm trying to live right. So she had to. She had to work her spirituality so that I could see Jesus meant more to her than the things of work. Listen, well, she had to work her character in order to convince me that she really was a virtuous woman whose worth was above rubies in whom my heart could safely trust and that she would do me good, help me somebody. And not evil. She had to work that thing. Because there were a lot of folk out there, but they would mess you up if you got the wrong one. Y'all remember that song back in the day said, you know, take time to know. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. Take time to know. Please, please don't rush into this thing. That's old school. Y'all, y'all like some of the old, old school right there. You know about that. But, but anyway, she had to work her character in a way. That I would know she was a godly woman. She had to win my confidence in the fact that she had the mind of Christ, willing and able to do her own thinking, make sound biblical-based decisions, and stand on them. And so she worked it. And so here I am. Almost 37 years later. Can I tell y'all something? She's still working. Now, here's a, here's a footnote. Here's a, here's a footnote for all of us, special for the students. Your enemy, the devil, according to John, John, John 10 came to steal, kill, and destroy. That means he will do all that he can do to hijack... The plan God has for your life. Is is there anybody here today? You don't have to raise your hand. Just think about this. You were hijacked. And you missed some of the plans God had for you. But the devil will do everything he can to hijack the plans God has for you. Let me just share uh, with you several ways he seeks to accomplish his goal. First, the devil seeks to hijack God's plan for your life by offering you cheap thrills. Can I just be real with you? That's for the graduates and that's for all of us. Offering you cheap thrills. But don't fall for it. Open your eyes and look around. Notice the people you know whose lives have been shipwrecked and dreams shattered. And now they live a life of headache, heartache, shame, and regret because they fell for cheap thrills. Second, the devil seeks to hijack God's plan for your life through discouragement. But don't you let him. 
Listen, far too many dreams have been deferred and even abandoned because dreamers listened to the wrong voices and they gave up on God's plans for their lives. Now, I want to show you just a brief, brief clip just to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. Let's show the clip that quick. Okay, while he's getting that together, I'm going to press, I'm going to press on. You got it? Okay, I'm going to press on. Third, the devil seeks to hijack God's plans for your life through fear. Watch this. Fear of the future. Fear of the unknown. Fear over things we can't control. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of worrying about what other people will think, say, or do. Many people who have, would have otherwise fulfilled their dreams, God's plans, walked away because of fear. The antidote for fear is the word of God. And one of my favorite scriptures, and I want you to remember this, Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not. For I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Go ahead, Dr. Stevens. 